To really understand New York sports, you gotta breathe it, live it, experience it. Whether you're watching the Grom strike out batters at City Field, or watching Randall Barrett and the Knicks at the Garden, heck, even watching KD, Kyrie, or Harden drop 50 in Brooklyn. Whether you're a Yankees fan, Rangers fan, Giants fan, Jets fan, or even an Islanders fan, there's one thing they all got in common. They represent this city, just like this podcast does. Rotten Apple Sports. Tune in. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotten Apple Sports Podcast. This is your boy, Larry. As always, joined by my my guys, Losin, Will. This week, we're going to do the NBA preview special episode. We're going to hit y'all with some over-under predictions for every team. We're going to make our season award predictions and some playoff predictions. What's good, fellas? Y'all excited? I know Will. Will. Yeah, yeah, baby. up the season with a W. I know Lose you know, over there, little sad, pouting in the corner because his Nets got smoked. It's crazy how the Nets got smoked by the Bucks, and then the Bucks got smoked two days later by the Heat. But the Knicks opened up the season with a win. Fired up, baby. We fired up. Woo! Make a box of basketball, baby. There's no need for me to get upset, man. The Nets don't take the season serious. I'm not taking the season serious. So who's in first place at Atlantic Division? I can't hear you. Who's in first place? One game in, couldn't be me. <laughs> Yo, listen, I got to act like this, man. I got I to gotta blend in with the rest of the New York fan base. Nah, it makes it fun, all seriousness. I saw that video after the game. That shit was hilarious. Yo, I, was telling, I was telling people I love that type of stuff, but I couldn't be in that type of, you know, in that type of mob. I'm too quiet for that. You know, I'll be in the background watching everybody else go crazy. You know, I would have been the first one with my shirt off there. You know, yeah. you already that. <laughs> I was watching the video at work with a smile on my face and I wrote in the group chat, I'm, this makes me proud and ashamed all at once. Because, again, it's overreaction. It's one game. We know we're not going to the finals. We're going to make some noise, but we ain't doing nothing crazy. But just the, the energy is just, you got to love that energy, though. And you're only going to see stupid, crazy shit like that in New York. You know what it is? It's competence. The fans are just happy that the team is... is- it's in the right direction, and they and you know they're good. They're not. Nah, Knicks, they, Knicks fans they, always they, been like this. It don't matter. Knicks fans have been like this my whole life. And again, there's nothing wrong with this. I, I'm all for being happy about your team and stuff. Believe me, with other teams I root for, they stunk for like 10, 15 years. You can you take the happiness whenever you can get it, man. Yo, but it was crazy though. They started talking about Joe Biden, Trey Young, <laughs> like all types of stuff that had nothing the to Blasio, do with it. Yo, bro, Tom Brady. I was like, yo, he said, we had de Blasio, we had Cuomo, but we got the Knicks. I was crying. That video, that video is fire. So I guess we could start with the Knicks then. DraftKings has them at um 42 and a half. Personally, I feel like they're gonna smash the over. We spoke a little bit about this in the Knicks preview, but the Knicks won 40 games, 41 games last year in a 72-game season. They have 10 more games to win two games. You're telling me they can't do that with a better team? The, the defense is not as good as it once was, but we're still competent. And the offense is so much more explosive and diverse. So I got them with the over. What you think, Will? Yeah, definitely over. As you saw last night, 
if if this is a a, a prequel, what the season is going to be like? The offense is completely competent. It's it's ten times better than last year. And last year we won forty one games, basically riding the shoulders of Randall. If we can get production from Fournier and the rest of the guys like this, Alicia Obi, this this definitely going to be an over, an over by a lot. Pre Kyrie, I thought they were going over. If Kyrie's going to be missing a month or two, I think they go under. And just like I said at the net preview, Steve Nash showed his first game. He's over here um, testing out rotations, and he said it today. He said Bruce Brown, he knows what he has in Bruce Brown, so he's playing other guys to see what he has. The Nets don't ever take the season seriously. They're going to treat it like a, like a, a month-long preseason, so I'm going to go under. Okay. How about you, Will? What you thinking? I, I I still think they go over, even without Kyrie. I think they it's just they're just too good. I mean, you're gonna have some bumps and you're gonna have days like they had the other night. It's gonna be natural because obviously they're feeling each other out on the court. But they're just too good for me to take them on the under, even without Kyrie. Kyrie may not show up the whole year, and I still think they hit the over because they're just that good of a team. I know they're gonna have some kinks. We can laugh about the first game and all that, but the Nets are a good basketball team. They're a great basketball team, so definitely the over. I think they're under, but I think not by much. They're still a 51 team, even if Kyrie doesn't come back, which I think he does come back. But I see them as a 51 team, but I don't think they win in 56 or more games. Even if the team is healthy, you're gonna it's going to be a lot of rest and load management because – you got guys that was dealing with some tricky injuries last year. A lot of your key role players are old as hell. I, even, like, Lowe says they're not going to take them serious, the, the season serious. No matter how serious they take the season, part of taking the season serious is managing these old guys and making sure that you keep them fresh because you're going to need them down the road. So I see them maybe around, like, 50 to 50. 53, even 54. I wouldn't be surprised if they hit 55. I mean, I would a little bit, to be honest. Especially after the way they look playing with lineups against the Bucks. They got the, that was disgusting. I did not expect them to get their asses whooped the way they did. But let's keep it in the Atlantic division. Will, we just beat the Celtics last night. DraftKings has them at 46 and a half. What you thinking? I'm thinking they're over, but not by that much. I'm thinking 47 around there. We saw last night, that's still a, a potent team. You know, Jalen Brown, Tatum. They got a, a Horford coming back. I like the kid Williams in the middle. They're not, you know, the bench is not, it's not crazy, but those two guys will carry a team. And in the Atlantic division, they are going to go up against the Nets and the Knicks. There's going to be tough games. But those two guys, they can carry the load. So definitely, if, if they go over, it'll be by a game or two. So I have them at 47. The Celtics are a tricky team, man. They have two guys that can play at a really, really high level. And then I don't think they have enough on the bench to keep up, especially with, uh, with the Knicks and the Nets. Um, I just, I'm going to go over only because I think 46 is a pretty low number. But when I mean over, I mean over like 47, 48. I don't expect them to 
to go over 50, they're gonna they're gonna play, they're gonna be better. And even yesterday, Tatum, Tatum played awful. And uh, some of it was Nick defense, and you got to give them credit because some of it was definitely Nick defense. Some of it was some of it was RJ Barrett defense to be specific. All right, I knew you were gonna say that. (laughs) So so I checked before, and he was four of eighteen in what is defined wide open shots. That's not Jason Tatum. You know, but, yeah, I know it was a bad game. The Knicks, defense did, the Knicks defense, RJ Barrett did defend them pretty well, also. So I'm not taking nothing away from him. I'm just saying that game, if if you're not gonna get that game often from him, and just like I don't think you're gonna get the as great a game from Brown as you got, he was really, really good yesterday. Now, see, it's funny because Tatum never really got going. Like you said, he was what four of eighteen over wide open shots. He was also like two for 14 or 15 when R.J. Barrett was guarding him. But I, I spoke about that this morning because um somebody said that R.J. Barrett had him in jail. And I'm like, yo, R.J. played great defense on him. But it was deeper than that. I watched him miss a ton of open three-pointers, and he missed a lot of um, bas- um drives to the rim that you wouldn't necessarily expect to normally see from Jason Tatum, like you said. And then Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown took like 30 shots too. He started out shooting like 70%, had over 20 points in the first quarter. He finished with 30 shots, shooting about 50%. So what that tells me, I'm not, I didn't go back and check his exact shooting percentages in the second half, but he came out blazing hot in that first quarter and it, and it spilled over into the second quarter a bit. But the second half, he didn't do much until... The Celtics made that comeback. He had a few key plays. The, the Knicks really outplayed them. But I, the whole point of this is the over-under, right? 46 and a half. Now, with all that being said, they pushed the Knicks to double overtime, and I expect the Knicks to be better than them. They pushed the Knicks to double overtime with Jason Tatum shooting like 28% for, for the game. So... I like the fact that they were able to score as much with Jason Tatum having such an off night. Nobody really had a great game besides Robert Williams and um, Jalen Brown. But I feel like you're going to see that a lot throughout the season. This is a team that you, you're you going to be relying on guys like Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, Al Horford, Ennis Cantor. If, if you're relying on guys like this, you're not going to win too many games. Granted, Tatum, a savage. I love Tatum. You know, that's my Duke brother forever, just like Kai. I love Jalen Brown. You know, I've been praising Jalen Brown's. I've been singing his praises since his rookie year. I love Jalen Brown. I love Jason Tatum. I don't think it's enough. Can they defend? That's a big question. Can they defend? They, they, they played good ball. defense. They played good defense yesterday. What killed them was Julius Randle. And when they went small ball, those were the two things that killed them. You know, I was listening to a Celtic post game yesterday when I went on to listen. And there's their fans are talking about can Tatum and Brown work together? Oh, they people been people been doing this on Twitter for a couple years now. It's ridiculous. 
people are always going to do this. They love to create this divisiveness and create drama. But let, let's not get hung up too much on the Celtics. we got a lot more teams to go to. I got the under for the Celtics, under 46 and a half. I think they're still going to be, again, similar to the Nets, slightly under maybe 44, 45. But next in the Atlantic division, we got the 76ers. DraftKings has them at over under 50 and a half. Lowe's, how you feeling about that? I just saw your face when I said those numbers. What you thinking? It's strange because I don't trust that Simmons is going to be there, but I do expect them to trade him for something. And Embiid, Embiid is really good. And Embiid, from, from watching him play the Nets, he's a nightmare to cover. You know, you send that double over, he's going to find an open shooter, and they have, a, they have a few really good shooters, and they got some good young defensive players. Now, you said that number was 50 and a half? Yes, sir. 50 and a half. I'm going to go over only because I think Embiid is just that good. And I think they'll find a way to make it work. And 50 and a half to me is not a high, that high of a number. I'm going to go over. Uh, 50 and a half to me, the Sixers, looking at them overall, Embiid is a force inside. One of the most dominant players in the league when he's healthy. Keyword help. If he's not healthy, don't like that roster. There's a lot of holes there. I'm going under. Under 50 and a half, maybe 49, 48. That all depends on Embiid being healthy. Again, Simmons is not there. They trade him for something or whatever they trade him for. If he's not on that roster, you can say whatever you want about his attitude, but that's a big hole on that team. And regardless of the fact, can Embiid carry a team from here to June with full health? That's a big question. Yeah, I think this team regresses this year. They take too long. They take too long to um, find the trade for Ben Simmons that they like. And this team is going to regress. I think they're above 500. They're still going to make the playoffs. But this team takes a step back without Ben Simmons. And then even after the trade, whoever they end up trading for, I just don't think that it's in the cards for the Sixers to, to make it even past the first round, but we could talk about the playoffs later on. But Sixers regress, head start rolling in the offseason. Don't be surprised if Doc is gone after just two years and then just takes a break from coaching altogether. Next up, we got the Toronto Raptors. Over under 35 and a half. They looked horrible, horrible in the season over. It was disgusting. OG, everybody's looking at him to take that next step forward in his development. Definitely need him to now with Siakam out. And it's just, it was ugly. What was he, like three for 16 or something like that? Yep. It, it, it was bad. The defense wasn't too crazy, like horrible, but the offense was disgusting. Scotty Barnes looked okay. 35 and a half. I'm not seeing it. I'm not buying it. I got the under. I'm smashing that for the next month until I see something that tells me they have a chance in even winning 15 games this season. I'm smashing the under. How about you, Will? Definitely under and by a lot. I don't like nothing on this roster. I'm not, I'm not even sure if Siakam spends the rest of the year there. He might look to trade him during the deadline to get some assets back. 
this might be the Scotty Barnes show. He's a young player. He's good. But this might be Scotty Barnes, Van Fleet, and some pieces the rest of the year. And that's not going to get anywhere near 20 wins. Like you said, if, if they win 15 this year, with what I saw on the court yesterday, that may be a lot. You don't this, believe this in OG? Really, you don't believe I in don't, OG? I don't. I've never been a big OG fan. I'm not. And I like honestly saying, I, I think Siakam, if the deadline, a team is in need, I think they pull the trigger and get them out of there and get some assets because this is a rebuilding team. I don't, I don't I don't see them anywhere near 35 wins. So who do you see? I'm sorry, Los, before you you tell us your over under pick, who do you see like if they were to trade to Yakum, what's an ideal situation for the Raptors? Where do you see them making the trade? I, I was actually thinking about this. Earlier today, as I sat there and thought about this Ben Simmons situation and watching Porzingis stink it up in Dallas, that a, a possible three-team situation where you would send Siakam to the Sixers, Ben to the Mavs, and Porzingis to the Raptors. The money works. It will give, gives Porzingis a fresh start all the way in Canada where nobody cares. He can do whatever he wants up there. It gives the Sixers another piece, a legit piece, and Siakam a nice piece they could put around Embiid, and he, Embiid will still be the man, but you know Siakam could ball. And you send Ben over there to Dallas with that circus over there and with, with, with the players they got over there and Luca, and maybe something clicks. That kind of up-tempo game probably fit Dallas well where he can get up and down the court and feed Luca. He's not a standstill shooter, so it doesn't affect Luca as much. It's just a thought because a lot of, you know, these teams are in flux and the Raptors look like they're in rebuild. So it, w- it would phase them to get some something in return for Siakam. How about you, Lo? So what, what you got? 35 and a half. I'm going to go under. And it's not really from what I saw the first game. I just wasn't really high on them coming into the season. And since I'm going over with the Knicks, I'm going over with the Celtics, I'm going over with the Sixers. You figure they're going to beat up on the Raptors. So I'm going under on the Raptors. Now, I know they didn't have Pascal that first game. But, like, like we all saw the game. They couldn't get anything going with that offense. And, and they are a rebuilding team. So you're going to, you know, you're going to give them a break. But when it comes to the over-under, I can't see over. And this is the first time in a while they've been bad. And, of course, you trust their management there because they're really good. But for this year alone, I, I got the under. Now, of to Wilhelm's trade thing, that's not exactly half bad. I mean, I don't think Philly, um, not Philly, I don't think certain teams would do it. I'm pretty sure, you know, Philly wants to find something to do with this Ben Simmons situation. So I understand that. Just my opinion, I don't know if the numbers work. I haven't really looked into it. But maybe Toronto can send him to Portland and uh, – do something to, to give uh, Dame some help because Dame's been looking for some help. Again, I'm not throwing no names back and forth, but Portland's a team that I like to see uh, get Dame the help he's been asking for for a couple years. Do you think that the, the Sixers even do the trade without Dame in it? You think CJ and, and other assets are enough? Truthfully, I don't think it's enough, but, you know, it's just something I threw out there, you know, because I, I know – I don't see this. I don't see Portland trading Dame right now, especially after he said he's here to stay a couple of days ago. All right, let's move on to the Chicago Bulls. They made a lot of changes this offseason. 
this is one of the teams that you see a lot of people on both sides of the fence. Like you see one group arguing that they're overrated. They're not going to be that good. You got the other side saying that they made so many improvements. They're going to be one of the best teams in the East. Not too many people in the middle like myself, where I feel like they've made a lot of improvements, but they're still middle of the pack. Chicago Bulls are at 43 and a half. I'm going to go with the over. I think they're, this is going to be their first 50 win season in a very long time. I think they're going to hit 50 wins. They'll be, I mean, they could hit 50 wins. I'll say I'm not even going to, I'm not going to guarantee a 50 win season. I'll say that they can hit 50 wins because they got a ton of offense. The defense looked better than I expected in the season opener. I don't know if they can replicate that for 82 games, but the Bulls look good this year. I'll take the over on that. I like the Bulls. I like what they did in the offseason. Am I in love with the Bulls? No. I'm not sure what kind of bench production they're going to get. You're going to you're basically top heavy in the starting lineup. What second unit are you getting when these guys are in a back to back or you're facing a, a one of those top tier teams? 43 and a half is it's the projected. I, I give them 45. I put I put a lot of the honestly, I have a lot of the Eastern Conference teams being separated maybe by a win or two. It's not gonna be this massive blowout in there. They're gonna kill each other. This is gonna be a, this is gonna be those teams are really gonna pound each other back and forth. So I really have the Bulls at oh. 45 wins. At 45 wins. That's why I got you got lows. 43 and a half. I got the over. But I agree with Will that a lot of these teams are going to be bunched up together. I also agree with you that I I really don't know what to expect from the Bulls, but I do expect them to be over 43 because I think they're not going to be hovering over around 500. I think they're going to be better than that. So 43 and a half, I go to over. But just looking at the Bulls from are they going to be a top team? Are they going to be a, a play-in slash 6-7 team? For me, it could go. It could go either way. I really don't know which. I don't know which way to go with this team. I feel like it's a no-brainer. Milwaukee Bucks over fifty-five. They they might be a sixty-one team again this year. I wouldn't be surprised at all. They look really good. Giannis is unstoppable. Giannis is. He's he's two things. He's he's one of the best players in the NBA, and he's someone that never takes a night off. When he's on the court, he gives it 100%. So unlike the Nets, which what I think will load manage certain guys, I don't think Giannis is going for that. I think they put pedal to the metal, if healthy, and they, like you said, they smashed it over. They're too good of a team. They're a team that doesn't take nights off. So I'm thinking close to 60, maybe even over 60. They're a really good team. They play defense. They hit threes. And, a, and again, I know I said it before, they have a superstar that plays hard and plays almost every game. Like Lowe said, this is a this is a pros pros team. This is a lunch pail team. This team comes in and they go to work. And I think they're they're a 60 win team without that much effort that they're just that good. They have the pieces fit. They have a legit superstar. Like like Lowe said, a guy who doesn't take night off unless he they have to pull him off the court. The guy loves the ball. They're defending champs. They look like they don't have a hangover. Most teams come and they, you know, they, they lay down. This team looks like 
the minute they blew the whistle that first game, they said, last year is over. We're going to get to work right now. So I definitely have them close to 60, if not over that, because they're, 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 just, they're just that good. Next up, we got the surprise team last year, the, the team that lost to the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Atlanta Hawks, over under 46 and a half, full off season in training camp with Nate McMillan and co. They made a few changes, but for the most part, they brought the same team back. You should expect the rotation to be very similar to last year, except healthier because Cam and Hunter are there again. They got him at 46 and a half. I really like the over for this one. I think this is another team that's probably going to win 50 games this year. This is a team that the Hawks and and the Bulls are who I I keep flip-flopping between who I feel like is going to finish in fourth or fifth behind the Heat. Your point is is a good one between the flip between those two teams. But I got to give the edge to the Hawks because as a unit, they've been there before. They've played already. These games, the Bulls are coming together now. We don't know how they fit. I like the Hawks. I like the I like the chemistry that the young guys have. They're mixed with some veterans. Nate McMillan is a good coach. He has he coached them up. They're they're explosive. They shoot the three. They have they have a good mix of players. So I definitely have them at fifty wins, and they're gonna finish there around that fourth seed in the in the in the Eastern Conference. I, I really like the Hawks. I definitely like the Hawks. I like the Hawks more than I like the Bulls. I'm more certain on the Hawks. And then it's not just because of last year. It's just because when you look at their roster, they have a little bit of everything. They got guys that could defend. They got guys that could shoot. They have length on defense. And I'm going to be honest, uh, a guy that I'm, and I've said it before, that I'm really a big fan of is DeAndre Hunter. He reminds me of a young Jimmy Butler. And, And you put him around... Trey Young, you put him around Cam Reddish, you put him around, you know, guys like that. He can just do his job, play defense, hit a couple of shots. I don't know if you guys saw the game today, but he was playing really good defense on Luka. He was making it very hard for him to get involved into the offense. So I'm big fan of the Hawks. I'm going to go with the over. And I think they're definitely in the, the top four or five teams in the Eastern Conference. So Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, they got Kyle Lowry now, Victor Oladipo, if he manages to be able to stay on the court at any point in time. He had 48 and a half. If I have the Hawks winning 50 games and I have the Heat finishing above them, definitely taking the over on this. I think they could easily be anywhere from 54 to 57, maybe 58 wins this year. They they have a they have a talented roster. They have a talented roster. There's some holes there, but their defense is gonna wear a lot of teams down. They have a lot of smart players, very very savvy. They have guys that are not afraid of the big moments that are willing to play physical. I like this Heat team. I don't think they're better than the Bucks, even though they're proven to be for one night they're they're the three seed for me i'll take the over how about you guys see i like the i like the heat also because they're gonna play defense and if you play defense like that you're gonna be in a lot of games i'm just not sure personally if 48 and a half if the over is gonna be 
if they're going to get the over. So I like the Heat as a team. I don't know if I like them to win a title, but I'll go under. I'll go 40, uh, under 48 and a half. I do too. I, I, that 48 and a half number, I could either go a game up or a game down. I don't, I don't think they're going, I don't, I don't see them at 50. I don't. I know I said the Hawks, I got them at 50. I, I just like that nucleus better than I do the Heat. I don't, I'm not sure of the mesh. I know they have Jimmy, PJ's there. They got Bam. You know, I don't, I don't know how much, how much that bench unit is really going to be, what, what kind of production they're getting from the bench this year. You know, I'm not too sure. So I'm going to go under at 47. Okay. And then we got the Indiana Pacers at 42 and a half. They got a new coach, Rick Carlisle. This is their, what, third coach in three years. The roster fit is so weird. It always has been, but they they tend to make it work, at least before last year when they had a shitty coach. The over-under is 42 and a half. I can't see Rick Carlisle coaching a team to under 500, so I'm going to take the over, but... Not by much. This is one of those teams that could land anywhere from four to eight. Like you guys said earlier, the East is going to be decided by a game, half a game, maybe even a couple tiebreakers. I'll take the over, but not by much. So I'll take the under. And when I say not by much, I'm, I have them at 42 and the over and the numbers 42 and a half. So I got them under. It's like you said, it's just something about the roster. I don't think it fits together. And for some reason, I keep having it in the back of my mind that one of these days they're going to break up, you know, the Sabonis, the Turner duo, and they might go full rebuild after that. I'm not sure if this is the year. So I'm going to go under at 42, just under. I have them at 40. I think they're battling for a playing spot. They're going to be, they're, you know, they will give teams some fits, some nights, but I just don't like the roster. I don't, it's a weird mix of players, multiple players for same positions. No, you know, besides a bonus, you get Turner, Brogdon, if he's hot one night, he, you know, he could, he could shoot you out of it. I just don't, I don't like the fit of the roster. I know Rick Carlisle is there, and we're saying that he may not coach the team under 500. He may not have a choice this year. It's just that's the way the roster is built. If they can get something out of Chris Duarte, where Chris Duarte becomes a, a, a member, a solid member of the rotation, maybe he slides into a starting spot this year. He started the see- season opener. I'm sorry. I know it's because of injury most likely, but he started the season opener, and he looked really good. They just drafted him in with a lottery pick. He's a really good player. He's he's going to have a long NBA career as one of the premier 3 and D players in the NBA. He's like a watered-down Klay Thompson kind of. I saw a lot of Oregon games last year, so I, I'm I'm astute on, on Chris Duarte. He's a hell of a player. He's a shooter. He's he's mature. He's a plug-and-play. He got drafted. At a, you know, he's, a, he's an older guy, so you don't have to do too much. Just put him in his spot and let him go to work. So I have the Pacers at under, so I have him at, at 40. A big part of the under for me also is Levert. He's never healthy, and he's not the only one who's not healthy. Health is a big problem with this team, so 
I just can't put my faith in guys that are never healthy. DJ Warren's not there. He's yeah, not he's there. Still, he's still not back. Levert is out for the first few games of the season, speaking of him. And you're right. The the team, the Sabonis is probably the only person on the team that's a like key rotation mainstay that is actually durable or proven to be durable in the past. But the last team I want to talk about in the East before we move on to the West, we don't need to talk about all the teams. A lot of them ain't worth talking about. Sorry, Bradley Beal. But the Charlotte Hornets, LaMelo Ball, how can you not love this kid? And what and the swag that he plays with and the confidence he plays with and how much everybody enjoys playing with him, man. And he even said the other day he wants to be in Charlotte forever. He has that old school mentality where you get drafted to a team. It's most likely a bad team if you're a high draft pick and you're supposed to build from there and build and try to build something special. And I truly believe that he means that though. Like, what, what does he have to like? He has everything to gain by staying in Charlotte. He can turn Charlotte into a big market team for the first time in franchise history. I truly believe he has that much star power. The ball family has that much star power. And he's also that fucking talented. He has the potential to be a Hall of Famer. I know it's early. People probably going to rag me for saying that. And he's barely into his second year of the NBA. But Los knows. I've been beasting for LaMelo to get to the NBA since he was a teenager. I've always been convinced since he was young that he was going to take the NBA by storm and put the league on notice the way that his brother never could. Now, with that being said, I got them with the over. This is another team that's probably going to be battling for the playing spot. But at 38 and a half, I got them as a I got them as around 500. This is a team that they could be anywhere. 40 to 42, maybe 43 wins if things go right for them. And if we have another quirky like injuries happen, if they have luck on their side, but other teams in the East have bad luck on their side, they could easily get to 44 um, 44 wins this season especially if Miles Bridges takes another step forward. It's 38 and a half. I have them right around 38. I don't, I don't, this team is a weird team because LaMelo's a star. You know, I love LaMelo Ball. I love his charisma. I love that he attacks. I love that he wants, he wants to be in Charlotte. But then after that, there's just a lot of pieces. You, you got a Gordon Hayward's health. Every year he's made out of glass. You don't know how long he's going to be playing. Kelly Oubre. Do I, I've never been a fan of Kelly Oubre. He shoots you out of game. Miles Bridges, he has something to prove. Charlotte didn't give him that contract. We don't know what, what the situation, how the, how the tensions are there. Terry Rozier, he's a nut. I, I don't know how the, how the roster configuration is. I'm not too sold on that coach neither. I, you know, well, I love James Borrego. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan. So I'm not. I'm not sure how they fit. It has to be where Lamelo. He it's just one of those years where he's he's on the All Star team because he just been he just goes crazy, and they're there, you know, and they sneak in. But I, I at 38, I have them right at 38. So you got them with the under. Yeah. Okay. I also have them with the under. I want to like this team a lot, but when I see Gordon Hayward, who, who is always hurt, 
And I always, you know, when he plays, he's good enough, you know, to be a, a solid number two. And and LaMelo Ball, like you said, you've been on this for a couple of years. I was more of a wait and see guy because I was never, you know, I didn't get sucked into the Lonzo Ball stuff. So, you know, maybe it had that had something to do with it. But the, the team, I believe they won 23 games last year. I just think to, to go to 40 is a big, big jump. So I'm going to have them at the under. But they're a good, fun team to watch. From what I saw yesterday, they're a fun team to watch. Take into consideration that they were, what, the fourth seed before LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward got hurt last year? And then they had Miles Bridges missed time with COVID, Terry Rozier missed time, Devontae Graham was out for what felt like half the season. They dealt with a lot of injuries, and it always came when they were getting on a roll and playing good basketball. They won 23 games last year dealing with all that bullshit. And the team got a little better. The team got a little better. They, and, they, and, they, and, they, they, they they get better. My concern out of all of that is how these pieces, how they fit. Because there's a lot of guys that need the ball in their hands. You know, Rogier, he needs the ball in his hand. Ubre, he needs the ball in his hand. So Ubre if coming off the bench, though. Ubre coming off the bench. Miles Bridges has proven that he can play with Rogier or LaMelo or even both. LaMelo can play on or off the ball. Rogier has shown a willingness to play off the ball last year. I, I, I feel, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to discredit your concerns. I'm just trying to get you to raise your expectations a little bit, I guess. Yeah, you're right, because they are they are a fun team, like Lo said. If you watch them, they, they, they're fun. They run, they shoot the three. They're a team that if you take them lightly, they could blow you out. Did you so, see how they came back against the Pacers, the way LaMelo Ball led that charge? The yeah. way Miles Bridges stepped up when the team needed him. And then I was talking to one of my boys who's a big Hornets fan. He's from he's from North Carolina. And he said Bridges needs to be more aggressive than he was last night. And he had a great game. So just imagine this team's potential. I think this team is loaded with potential. I, I respect your concerns. We'll see what happens. Let's move on over to the West. They got DraftKings has the Utah Jazz and the Lakers both at 52 and a half. That's the highest over under for any team in the Western Conference. Let's start with the Los Angeles Lakers. That was a tough loss against the Warriors. You couldn't ask for a better game from LeBron and AD. They got a bunch of role players that's out. Russell Westbrook played ass. I don't know if they went 52 and a half. I think they'd probably be right on. You know what? I'll take the over. They're still going to be a 54, 55 win team. I got the over. Any team that has LeBron, any team that has Anthony Davis, you know they're going to be a good team. You know they're going to be a contending team. Top 75 and, players, two top 75 players. Not get into that conversation. And uh, don't worry, we'll get to that later. We, no, we're, we're not going to talk about that on here because okay, y'all both so, upset me. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, the Lakers, I got to take the over. Even, you know, even with the injuries early on, there's uh, enough talent on this team. And like I said, when you got two top guys like that, 52 and a half, they're going to go over. Me too. I got them at 54. And that's with them not putting their whole pedal to the metal because, you know, with, with guys of a certain age, 
They're going to rest them. Some of them won't play back-to-backs with low management. So they won't smash going past 54. Can you do that with LeBron, though? Yeah. I think I think you will because I think their their whole mentality after last year, they saw how much of a of a toll it took in their body. LeBron is a is a he his whole mentality but putting this roster together because LeBron is the GM. So he when he put this roster together, he, his whole mentality was I want we're gonna win a championship. We're winning it now because this window is closed. You know, a lot of these guys of a certain age, they gotta get it done now. So to me, is they'll rest themselves and they'll take care of themselves to make sure they're healthy for when May and June comes. And they're in deep in the playoffs. So I like them at the over. I have them at 54. I won't put them at a high number because of that reason. Okay. I respect it. Now, the Jazz. Who you got for the Jazz? Well, let's start with you, Will. 52 and a half, same as the Lakers, over, under. Um, I'm going under. Uh, I'm not sure if what I saw last year was a fluke. I ha- I'm one that has to see it continuing for me to con- you know, to say, yeah, I can trust the Utah Jazz again. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. I do love Donovan Mitchell. I, 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 I like Rudy Gobert. Joe Inglis is good. Clarkson. The other pieces, eh. Are they going to repeat? Remember, last year, it was a shortened season. There were less games. The Western Conference is a gauntlet. I have them at the under. 50. You guys know how I feel about Utah. I got them at the over. I think they have the best home court advantage in the NBA. I think they play a great style of basketball. I think they've been with each other for a couple of years. They have a good coach. I think that when it comes to the new um, the new players, they, they added Whiteside. They added Rudy Gay. I think they're just a really, really good team that knows how to play, play, you know, cohesively. And they're one of those teams that are always good in the regular season. My question for them is in the postseason. So I'm going to take the over with the Utah Jazz. I say they win about 56, 57 games. I got them with the over. I think Utah Jazz comes out as the number one seed in the Western Conference. I think last year they, they surprised a lot of people. Nobody really took them serious. Nobody really ever takes them serious, especially not in the playoffs. But the Utah Jazz, I think that they got a lot to prove again. Even after last year, I still feel like they got a lot to prove the way they got eliminated in the playoffs. And, yeah, I got the over, man. I I seem to be disagreeing with y'all a lot on this, and I love it. I got the Lakers with the over. I got the Jazz with the over. Both at 52 and a half. Now let's move on to the Denver Nuggets, 47 and a half. Jamal Murray, who knows if he's playing this year. I don't think he'll play this year. If he does, it probably won't be till towards the end of the season anyway, right before the playoffs. I'll probably take the under. I'm going to take the under on this. Under 47 and a half. They make the playoffs. They might be a playing. Nah, I got. We'll talk about that later. Nuggets. Under 47 and a half, above 500, still a good team. Jokic and MPJ show out. Aaron Gordon, I don't, they're going to regret that contract. But I got the under for the Nuggets. What say you, Los? I got the over, much like with the Jazz. I think that home court advantage when these guys go to Denver 
And a lot of these, some of these guys aren't used to going to Denver and having to do with the altitude. I think they have just enough talent to get to 47, 48 wins. It's not going to be over by a lot. I'm going to put, I also expect Michael Porter Jr. to take a big leap. I'm a huge fan of his game. Um, so I expect it to be about 48, 49 wins. Not too much over, but just enough to be over. Do you think oh, yeah, he takes I'm a step forward on defense? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not delusional. He looks like he has no interest on defense. Fifty wins for me. I love me some Denver Nuggets, baby. Jokic, DJ <laughs> Doja, Michael Green, Will Barton. I love. I, I don't know something about this team. They're gritty. They're tough. Michael Malone. Any Michael Malone team always comes to play, no matter what. If you get anything, anything out of Jamal Murray this year, that's a bonus. He looks like he's really working to get there. You know, Aaron Gordon, regardless of what you think of him as a player, he, he's, he doesn't back down. He has grit. You got Monte Morris. I like this team. You have to go to that high altitude in Denver to play. They make you run up and down that court. That's a hopeful advantage, like Lowe said. Definitely over. 50 wins for the Nuggets. I like this team. Aaron Gordon is one of those players that's all talent, no IQ. I, I've yeah. seen I've seen that story too many times. That man, look, even when he played the Knicks last year, he almost had a triple-double and then cost the Magic the game trying to force up a bunch of stupid passes and jump shots, missed like six shots in a row, had like four turnovers in a row. I remember because I was watching that game because he was on my fantasy team. This is before I, I declared to be my, a Knicks fan moving forward. Uh, we got the Phoenix Suns. They lost in the NBA Finals. I don't see them going back this year. I'm pretty sure that's the one thing we would probably all agree on this show. But DraftKings has them at 51 and a half. I don't know how to feel about that. But I'm going to take the under. I think this team regresses a little bit. Not by much. They, they're still maybe 48 to 50 wins. But I got them going under. The Chris Paul effect, this is his second year with a team. He usually takes a step back in his production and his effort. Let's see what happens. He loves Monty Williams, so let's see what happens. What you got for us, Will? I don't like this team. But I, don't, I don't like them going back to the Western Conference Finals. I don't, I don't like the makeup of the team. What did they do in the offseason to improve themselves? I don't see nothing on that roster that tells me they went out there to do anything to fix them. Alfred Payton, JaVale McGee, those aren't pieces that are going to compete against the Lakers. They showed last night they played the Nuggets, and the Nuggets was running them up and down the court. They look a little bit slow. I don't know if it's that hangover from the postseason. They played a long postseason. Chris Paul is another year older. I don't care what you say. That takes effect. He's another year older. This is a long season. I don't like the shooting on the team. They got Landry Shamit. Okay. That doesn't move the needle. I don't like the makeup of the roster. I have them at 49 wins, 48 wins around there. I don't, I don't think they pass 50. I, I don't, Dennis, I'm not, a, I'm not big on the Suns this year. I'm not. I think this might be the first one we all agree on. I got the under also only because I think 51 and a half is just too much for them. I think they'll be a good team. I think they'll be somewhere between 46 to 49 wins. 
I think they take a step back, like you guys said. Chris Paul, second year. He's older, of course. And they didn't make as much improvements as I thought that, 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 that they would. I know they added Landry Shamit, I believe. And for some reason, they didn't sign DeAndre Ayton to a contract. I know they still can down the line, but some of, you know, with, with, with that owner, you never know. Sometimes they just do some weird things. So I'm going to go with the under this year. They're going to take a step back. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Clippers. They have 45 and a half. I got the under. If Kawhi comes back post all-star break, maybe my mind changes, but I got them under 45 and a half. I've never been a believer in Paul George. This team is not even that good when you look at the roster. It's really just Kawhi and Paul George, and then you just threw whatever you could find in the in the alley and was like, fuck it. Here, here's a Clippers jersey and a contract. That, that, that's pretty much what happened. Three on three. Let's just get it in here. This is that's crazy. Pretty much, that's pretty much what happened. Steve Ballmer. Just, was what's just their over-under, you said? What's their over-under? 45 and a half. I got them under. Oh, yeah. I got them way under. I got them at 40 wins. I'm not even sure if Paul George is enough to carry these, these the bunch of bums that he has on this roster. This is a not. bad, bad roster. It's bad. It's bad. Serge Ibaka is out. We don't know how long. There's no Kawhi. You, you basically, it's basically hoping that Reggie Jackson comes back the same way he did in the playoffs. That's not a guarantee because you haven't seen that in his whole career. That happened. That's a two-month span. You don't know if you're going to get that same Reggie Jackson. The only Eric other Bledsoe, time, I'm sorry, but to your point, the only other time I can recall seeing something like that from Reggie Jackson was when we first saw Reggie Jackson play when Russell Westbrook got hurt. And then OKC ain't believing him. They traded him. Yeah. They knew better. I, I just don't like the makeup of this roster. They have, a, they have a lot of older veteran guys who are probably in their last part of their careers. Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum. You know, a lot of guys are going to need rest, and they don't have the, the backup to do that. These guys are going to play heavy minutes. It's going to take a toll on them. They may be lower echelon part of the Western Conference. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a playing team, to be honest with you. I, I would not surprise me. They're one injury away from the lottery. I'll put it that way. You stole my thunder right there because I was going to say, this looks like a lotto team with one superstar. I'm not sure about Kawhi coming back. Now, if Kawhi comes back, he's so good that he changes things. But I'm under the impression that he's not coming back. I'm definitely under. And it's because it's Paul George and his friends. It, it sounds like a radio show. Paul George and friends, you know? And... Paul George isn't exactly the guy that lifts people up and lifts teams up. So I'm going with the under and it's going to be bad for them because they got to play in the same town with the Lakers and the Lakers are going to be better. And, you know, it's going to be a bad one for the Clippers, in my opinion. So I'm going under. Next up, we got Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. With or without Clay, I got the over 47 and a half. I don't know why people are sleeping on them. This team looks really good. They got some depth. Jordan Poole looked good at the end of the season last year. He looks like he's ready for a bigger role on the team. If Clay comes back, definitely over by a lot. 
if he doesn't come back, well, he's definitely coming back, but if he's not the same player that he used to be, I still got them over, but maybe slightly. I got them as a 51 team minimum this year. If Steph can stay healthy, they're a 51 team. I can't doubt Steph Curry. He's he's an amazing player. I'm counting on Klay Thompson coming back only because I want to see it. I want to see the Warriors at close to full strength. I want to see them get their last couple of chances to see what they can do as a core. And these guys are getting older. So I want to see what they can do against the Lakers, against Utah, against anybody. And I know it's not the same old Warriors because they move, you know, they move to San Francisco and it doesn't have the same vibe. But I have them as an over because I think what they did that they didn't have last year is they added better defense and they added more shooting around Curry. I felt like last year, if you watched the Warriors, it was double, triple team and Curry and daring other people to beat them. So I think they took care of that and added more players. And I think they're going to be over and I think they're going to be a comfortable over. I think they're going to be over 50. And I think just even watching them, their first game, Steph Curry wasn't really good. And they beat the Lakers and they, they stood with them. And I don't know about you guys, but like I said, it's just something about Curry. He's you never had a game with Curry. And if Clay comes back, and if he's 75% or 85% of Clay, that means he brings defense and he brings clutch shooting. So, Will, um, I know you gave your, your over-under already, I believe, but um can't get enough of these Warriors, man. And you know. When you know, I, I, I love the Warriors. Go, a team goes from being so good that you're like, damn, I'm sick of the Warriors to damn, I want these guys to come back and see what they can do. I like the Warriors at 50 because it's like you said, they they added shooters around Steph. That's something they didn't have last year. And and they're a danger, they, they're the people people are sleeping on this team, but the Warriors are a dangerous team. I'm like, I, I'm I, I really love. Jordan Poole. I'm a Jordan Poole guy. The Scano Anderson, those guys like that. From last year, they showed you they, they have grit. They're ready to take on a bigger role this year. You, if you get the same production from, from Wiggins, you have Wiseman coming back. You know, I like this team. I really do. This is not a team to sleep on because if Trey comes back healthy, this is a team that will compete in the Western Conference Finals. I really do think that. If Clay comes back the way Clay comes back, this is a Western Conference Finals team. They have the pedigree. They, they know what it takes. And now they have the pieces to go do it. So I, I have them at 50 so far right now, even without Klay Thompson. Clippers are so bad. I know you're talking about the Warriors, but the Clippers are so bad. They got Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe starting next to each other. Terrible. That, that's, Terrible. that's despicable. Next up, Luka Doncic, KP. I hate that. Oh, man. You know what? Mavericks, under 48 and a half. I'm not going to say nothing else. I love you, Luca. Respect to y'all. The Mavericks, are, the Mavericks are a terrible basketball team. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's a high number for them. I have them 42 wins this year. I don't like nothing about the roster. I don't like the coach. I don't like any other players. Dantich is the only player. Luca's the only player on that team with any any with any sense of what's going on on the court. I don't like nothing they have on that roster. They add they try to add shooting. 
the roster by adding Bullock this year. I mean, we've seen Bullock with the Knicks. He's a standstill shooter. He's not going to give you that ball. He's not putting the ball on the ground. He's not going to, he's not versatile. So basically, they just added another shoot. They keep doing the same thing every single year. They don't help him at all. They don't help Luca. Porzingis is garbage. He's washed. He still thinks he's a superstar of some kind. I don't understand what it is. It's like Charles Barkley said. He's a one-legged pony, donkey, whatever he called him earlier today. He's no good. The guy's ego is bloated. I, this roster looks very bad. I don't know what they, how they, where they go here for help because I don't even see none of these, none of these pieces to be tradable. This is going to be bad. This could cause friction. I don't know what's going to happen there, but I, I, and no more than 42 wins this year for the Mavericks. The Mavericks are a mess, and they're a mess on the floor. They're a mess in the front office. They're a mess with ownership, even though, you know, Mark Cuban is a solid guy, but they've been dealing with this uh, sexual harassment and stuff and trying to re reframe and, and, you know, change their image. They're just a mess. And they have a guy in KP who makes so much money to be a number two. And him and Luca supposedly don't even like each other. This is a big deal. And then you add Jason Kidd, who as, as a child, I love Jason Kidd as a player. He was one of my favorite players of all time, but he's just not it as a coach. He's proven that. He's just not a good coach. So I got the under, and the reason why this number is so high, in my opinion, just shows you how great that Luka Doncic is. Because it's, we talked about poor George in a bunch of garbage. Luka Doncic really doesn't have that much more if if he has more than what the Clippers have. Brother, I'd rather Eric Bledsoe than KP. Fuck KP. Portland Trailblazers over under 44 and a half. Lows, which way are you leaning? I'm going to go slightly, slightly over again because of Dame. Because he's, you know, he's that good. But I, I just feel sorry for Dame at this point. Because I don't see, I don't see what they can do around him to help fix this team, this roster. They, they seem to be set on the CJ-Dame uh, tandem. And we've been talking about this going back a few years that it never worked. It's never going to work. And I don't really love this team. But uh, 44 and a half, I can't, I can't see the Blazers being that close to 500. So I'll go slightly over, very slightly over. I have them under. How am I? Like 43. And the only way they get over the, that, that number, I think that Anthony Simons needs to have a monster year. He needs to have a monster year. He needs to have, he be, needs to become one of those pieces that helps Dame. Because I know they have Norman Powell there and CJ, but they need somebody else. So, and Anthony Simons could have a monster year and help out with some of the scoring and his athleticism. I think they can, you can put that 44 number over a little bit, but for now, I have them under at about 43. Okay, the last team I want to discuss in the West before we move on to some award predictions is the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis Grizzlies were a playing team. They made the playoffs. They, they did their best against the Utah Jazz. They were just not good enough. They were outmatched. But you got to love the heart that that team plays with. They have so much potential. 
if Jaron Jackson can stay healthy, I really like their chances. The over-under is 41 and a half. I feel like that's right around where I see them at 500. And this is probably one of the most harder decisions I've had to make in this whole segment. But I want to say the over. I want to say the over. But I'm going to go under. I think they're going to be under 500. If I have to pick four, they're either going to be a 41 and 41 team or they're going to be a little under 500, maybe 30. They could be anywhere from 38 to 42 team wins. This was a very tough decision for me. There's actually a team that we're not going to talk about with the over-unders that I think is a team that is going to be better than them this year and surprise people. But what you got, Will? Uh, I I think I have an idea who you're talking about, and I like I like them too. Um, I I think that number is a good number for them. I'm not trying to not trying to downplay the type of team they are, because I love the grit, and they're always coached well. You know, Ja is a good player. I don't. I'm not. It, there's something. There's a like something's missing for me to kick them up a little higher than what they are. And it's not like, like I said, it's not, it's not to denigrate what kind of team they are because I love the type of way they play and, and the way Jai is and, and how elevated this young team is and how hard they play. The West is just so damn good that I, I don't know if I could put them a little higher. So I'll keep them at, at that 41 win mark. I can't put them a little higher and I won't put them lower because I won't do that to them. So I like them at what they are. I got the under and like Larry, I wanted to go over because it's a team I enjoy watching. I just think there's a few too many good teams in the West that, that, that they're going to lose games against teams that are just better than them. But how can you not like, like, like if you watch last year, how can you not love what you saw from them? How can you not love what you saw in that playing game? And Health has a lot to do with it also. I, JJJ can be, he can be the, one of these guys that, that has a chance to be most improved if he just stays healthy. And so far, it just hasn't happened. I still believe in him. I definitely believe in Morant. And they're, they're up and coming. Their time is just not yet. And I'm going to have them under. They're going to win. They're 40 and 42 in my eyes. They're fighting for a play-in. They're a dangerous team and a team you're not going to want to play late in the season. Like I said, but there's, there's, there's another team there that I think could really push them this year. For me, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Before we move on, what, what's the team for you? The Sacramento Kings. I don't believe in Luke Walton. Sacramento. I think the Aaron Fox takes that, that monster push this year. I just, I, I don't know, something about, something about them I, I like. I think they're ready to, to kick it into another notch. I grew up a Kings fan. They ruined basketball for me for a while. Like I, I spoke about this. I broke down the whole story of how I was a homeless fan and everything, and it was all the Kings' fault and also Tim Donahue, but mostly the Kings. And I'll never trust them again, especially not while Luke Walton is the head coach. Come on, they had Mike Malone and Dave Yoger before him. And they fired those guys and was like, oh, we're going to give Luke Walton 
a longer leash than we gave either one of these two it's guys who are the much owner, better the coaches. The problem. It's the owner of the problem. No, but but Luke is also a problem. As long as Luke is there, it doesn't matter what the owner wants. I guess we can move on to the season award predictions. Let's start with MVP. Who wants to go first? Matter of fact, let's get the most boring award possible out the way. Let's go with the coach of the year first. Let's just get this one out the way. I'll, my pick is James Borrego, the coach that Will hates so much that he doesn't believe in, the Charlotte Hornets head coach. That's my pick for head coach of the year. It, it all It's all going to depend on LaMelo Ball taking that huge leap in the second year. Health, Miles Bridges taking a step. You know, everything that we were all discussing earlier when we were discussing the over-under. And I think everything is going to work out for them for the most part. They make the playoffs, and he wins coach of the year for the huge improvement that they made. And it's really only because they're going to probably miss out on giving LaMelo Ball the most improved player if he has the huge jump that he has. Well, that I expect, I should say. I'm going to go with Nate McMillan because I think that the Hawks are going to be the team that people fall in love with. They, you know, Trey Young has already proved he's he's a master of the theatrics. And I think that just just the uh, upgrade from last year, like how he changed how he changed the team and how they how they played around him. I think this year is going to get a little better, a little bit more high profile because the Hawks are going to be a higher seed. So I'm going to go with Nate McMillan. I respect it. Now we can get to MVP. Who wants to go first for MVP? I got it. My MVP is Steph Curry. Ah, same as me. I think Steph has all of us. Wait, we all? Yeah, I got Steph Curry also. Steph has a monster year. He leads the Warriors to the Western Conference Finals. They, they. I just love. I just love the Warriors. I know they have motivation. I think that game last year where they got eliminated, really put a chip on their shoulder. This is a veteran team. Steph is a monster. We already know that. You know, when he gets any type of motivation, he's a killer on the court. So you already know he's going to want to prove a point this year. And I, I really like Steph as the MVP. Here's the thing. For me, the MVP has to do with a story. And I think people love Steph Curry. And the Warriors coming back from the abyss, the two years of being awful, and Steph Curry shows out, and then Klay Thompson comes back. That's a great story right there. It's like the 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 rise of the Warriors again. And are they gonna reclaim their spot now that they're healthy again? And I just think with Steph, you know, he's he's so likable. He's a great player, and I think it's a good bet that if he plays the way we I expect him to play, and I guess we all expect him to play, I think he's gonna be the the easy MVP too. Yeah, I don't even got to say now. We all we all agreed. Yeah, I pretty much covered it for the most part. Let's go on a rookie of the year. I got Jalen Green as the rookie of the year, but after watching last night, Evan Mobley, he looks like the real deal. You know, usually with big men, it takes a little longer for them to adjust to the NBA and get a handle on things and start to really show their potential, but he was impressive his season opener. I think he's a good dark horse candidate for rookie of the year, but I still got Jalen Green. I think Houston is going to be bad and they're going to embrace the rebuild officially because they keep talking about how they want to win games. Like the, Steven Silas is trying to find a balance between 
trying to win and be yeah. competitive, but also focus on the development of the individuals and the team. Like, I get all that, but there's going to come a point in time where they're just trying to lose games but develop their young team. Jalen Green's going to get a lot of shots off. Rookie of the year is all about counting stats. What might hold them back is it is looking like he might only provide scoring and nothing really else at first. But I got Jalen Green as the rookie of the year. I'm going – see, before I even mention him, I think what's going to go against him is his age. And we talked about him before. I'm Chris Duarte? With, yes, I'm going with Duarte because I think he's going to get to play a lot because of all these injuries. And I just think he's ready to play in the NBA right now. I do think that his age will definitely get held against him, though. And I think it's just too easy to go with uh, with Green or Cunningham, you know? I, I really do like the the Evan Mobley uh, stuff you said earlier because he played really good. And um, I, I, I think... I think Duarte, and if I had to go with a second guy, I go with Mobley just because I didn't want to go with the top two guys. And you know, it's funny, like people always call KP a unicorn, but Evan Mobley really looks like a unicorn. If he develops a consistent jump shot, the league might be in trouble, to be honest. That's my guy. It's Evan Mobley. He has, he comes from a, a basketball pedigree family. The kid knows the game. He, he looks, he's a plug-and-play player, just like I said Duarte earlier. He's a guy that you put him in there, he knows what to do. He looked amazing. He looked amazing. I kept watching his highlights, he, he, where, where he was picking his spots, the ball, where they were putting the ball. It, it, he just, he's just a perfect player for what they for that young core over there. And I because they're going to be so bad in Cleveland, he's going to get time to play a lot, and those numbers are going to look really good. He's just a really good kid, a really good player. I like Evan Mobley as rookie of the year. And if you and if you listening to this episode and you don't know much about Evan Mobley, go back to the first season. There's an episode where I interview Evan Mobley's assistant coach at USC, Chris Capco, and we spoke a lot about Evan Mobley and what he brings to the table. Most improved player. If he can stay healthy, which is a long shot, I think Jaron Jackson might be able to run away with it. I like Jaron Jackson. I think that he's one of those players that if it wasn't for the injuries, he'd probably be at all-star level by now, just like Ja Morant. I still think Ja's better than him and probably still always will be better than him. But Jaron Jackson Jr., I think he he has a good chance. There's a few players. OGN and Obi has a chance. RJ Barrett. Those are probably the three main guys for me. How about you, Los? Same team. I got John Morant. And I know people are going to say John Morant's already good, but I think John Morant is going to take even a bigger step. I think John Morant is going to put himself in the conversation for one of the top five best point guards in the NBA. I don't think as of coming into this year, I at least would say that, but I think he's just going to take a huge jump. And I think, I think like, I wanted to go really with, with, uh, with RJ Barrett. Because I think R.J. Barrett, just from like getting left off all these lists, is going to have such a good year where he's going to make people look look bad. But I'm sticking with John Morant. My choice is De'Aaron Fox from Sacramento. I think if he can, if he if he goes and he really gets gets to work, I'm telling you, you know, I, I think you're shaking your head. Like, 
Let me shake his head like that. He's gonna go talk about Sacramento again. I really I love the from Fox. experience, bro. And I love the Aaron Fox too. I love the Aaron Fox. One of the things that I hate that I was wrong about so much was that I said the Aaron Fox was gonna be the best player in that draft. And that's something I gotta live with. I, I think this year I've seen the work he's been putting in. I I really, I really, really like this pick as most improved player, if any, if he can just squeeze Sacramento into a playing tournament, that, that, or that alone should seal the deal for him because he's going to have a monster year. Okay. Next up, we got six man of the year. I have D Rose as the six man of the year. I think because he's going to get so many, such bulk minutes. I mean, yesterday outside, I don't really put that because that's like the first game of the year. But I think just the bulk minutes that he's going to get and the production you're going to get from him, I think he it's going to be a, a solid choice for a sixth man of the year. I mean, the Knicks have a potent second unit, and he's going to be the captain of that. There's going to be days where he'll start because Kemba will take time off. So definitely sixth man of the year. I, I, it's a, that's the choice that I have. So I was stuck between two guys, boss. But I'm going to go with Patty Mills only because – with Kyrie Irving out, I think he's going to play a lot, and I think he's going to get a lot of open shots playing with Harden and Durant, and I just think he's going to be more high-profile, even though with the Knicks, Derrick Rose is going to be very high-profile also. So my safe bet is Patty Mills. I was torn because I did want to go with Tyler Hero, but he let me down last year. That's so. what I'm going with, Okay, Tyler Hero. For everything that you just said about Patty Mills, I'm going with Tyler Harrow. Tyler Harrow is one of the most overly confident players in the NBA. I think he's going to get even more opportunity with Kendrick Nunn gone. Victor Oladipo can't stay healthy if his career depended on it. So I'm definitely going with Tyler Harrow. Now, the reason why I changed from Derrick Rose is because everything that Will said is going to lead to Derrick Rose averaging like 10 points a game because that bench is so deep and so talented that Derrick Rose, even last year, Derrick Rose only averaged like nine points a game. He He's a guy that can go off for 18, 20-something, have a 30-point game. Like He's going to have those games, but he's also going to have games where he has four points, six points, eight points, no points. He's going to have games where he's not really scoring, but he's having a positive impact on the game. And six man of the year is all about scoring, in oh. my opinion. Like It's all about scoring and playmaking. You have to average at least in the teams to have a chance at winning six man of the year. You got to do more than what Derrick Rose is going to do on a nightly basis. He's the captain of that second unit, like you said, all that good stuff. But that leads to wins. That doesn't lead to individual stats. I also think there's a chance he's going to start more games than we think. If they, if Kemba Walker needs days off, I know Thibodeau said he's not going to give him days off and he's going to play. But, you know, he does have a cranky knee history, and you never know. They might want to give him some days off and that. Derrick Rose start, you know, so. Yeah, back to back. But, but you got to understand, all you got to do is come off the bench for more games than you start, and you qualify for six-man of the year. 
He's gonna. He's not gonna start nowhere near as many games as he comes off the bench. Say Derrick Rose plays 65, 70 games out of the eighty-two games. Right, he has a healthy season. You rest him here and there, all that, all that good stuff, because he's old and broken. He's gonna maybe start ten games, fifteen tops. Like they still got quickly. You'd rather have if you have to throw somebody into the starting lineup in place of Kemba. I'd rather throw in quickly so that Rose is still providing that scoring off the bench. Let quickly just play defense, facilitate a little bit, take a couple stupid ass three pointers, and then bring in Rose off the bench for scoring. Defensive player of the year. This one is tough. I got Anthony Davis. He really needs to have a bounce back year. You know what? I don't know. I might have to take that back. I think somebody might have convinced me that Giannis might be the move for defensive player of the year this year. And I hate to say it because I've always criticized the fact that he won defensive player of the year and he doesn't even man up against the best player. But for the same reason why I would consider Bam out of bios, the same reason why he might win it. He just disrupts the offense in so many different ways, and he's so versatile on defense that it actually makes sense that you don't have him just man up against your best player for a whole game because it limits his effectiveness on defense. It's like in the NFL, if they would have had Troy Palomalu man defense against your best receiver the whole game, well, yeah, he's probably going to be able to hold his own, but you're limiting him and taking away his effectiveness because he can do so much more than just shut down a receiver. So I get it. And his versatility, his penchant to make big defensive plays in crucial moments of the game. I think he might win defensive player of the year again. If not, it's probably that that guy over there in Utah that, that keeps getting it. Shout out to the three-time defensive player of the year. AD got robbed for one of those. And B got robbed for one of those. But at the end of the day, Gobert has three. It's probably between him and Giannis. What about you, Will? I think it's Anthony Davis because for the simple fact that if the Lakers want to get to where they want to go, he's going to have to be that defensive anchor on that team. They're a little bit older. You know, LeBron can only do so much then really a lot of those other guys, you don't really see them as defenders, one-on-one defenders. So a lot of the rim protection is going to have to be through Anthony Davis. I know you have Dwight there, but down the stretch of games, when it really counts, is Anthony Davis is going to be man in the middle. So I think in order for the Lakers to get to where they want to go, it's going to have to be one of those years where Anthony Davis is just a monster on both sides of the basketball. And I think it would have to be with him winning Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. What about you, Los? And now we're going to get into a rapid fire to wrap up this episode. I'm going with the boring pick. I'm going with Gobert because, you know, he's just – in the eyes, especially of the, the eyes of the, the voters, he's like the one constant NBA, you know, defender, you know, like you said, I thought maybe Embiid should have won one of those that he won. So I'm going to go with Gobert because it's the simple choice. It's the easy choice. And 
I think when the when the media especially has like one guy in their mind, it's hard to you know it's hard to the throne the to dethrone him. Just look at like uh, Dwight Howard. He's won a couple of them. You know, once you you know you can get a get in a row and and win a couple of them in a row. You know, and I think this is Rudy Gobert's time. Sometimes you they get that voter fatigue though. You see, they do it all the time with the MVP award, huh? but. All right, let's do some rapid fire for some for some standings and seedings and playoff predictions. All right, y'all ready? Yep. All right, we going I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with Lowe's first. Will you follow up right after? Number one seed in the East, Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, number one seed in the West, Lakers. Utah Jazz. I'm with Lowe's with the Utah Jazz. Worst team in the West? Uh, Rockets. Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. Worst team in the East? Detroit Pistons. Toronto Raptors. Orlando Magic. Okay. Who you got winning the East and representing the Eastern Conference in the finals? I have to go with the Nets. I refuse to not take them. Will. The Nets. Nets. Representing the West in the finals? Lakers. Warriors. Warriors. Who you got winning the finals? Warriors. Nets. Lakers. Okay. Okay. I respect it. I, I think we all agree this is going to be a big year for the Warriors and, and Steph Curry. The crazy <laughs> shit is that I hope I'm wrong in the Nets window because I want a championship to be in New York. I know Nets fans are going to be unbearable. But I will embrace it because they not deserve too many it. Of us, man. Nah, but about yo, it. it don't even matter how many there are because you know there's gonna be a bunch of bandwagon fans. It happens no matter who wins the championship. Shit, the Raptors won, and then all of a sudden there's 50 Raptors fans in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Fuck out of here. But at the it's end of the day, one NBA season. We can. Yo, we can at tell the end of the day, the Nets fans deserve a championship. They've never got to experience that in the history of the Nets being in the NBA. And they deserve it. New York deserves some type of fucking honest, championship. I really, want the, I really want the Nets to be in the finals just so I can see Lowe's. Because the last time the Nets were in the finals, <laughs> whoa, ho, ho, whoa, ho, ho, you shake your head. <laughs> I, had a, I had a lot more hair back then. I was about whoa. to say Lowe's hairline was still fresh at that time. Uh, what I remember is Lowe's in the bathtub with a Jason Kidd jersey on. That's what I'm going to say. I, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know. Whoa. I don't know what was going on back then. That's crazy. What? I was in like seventh grade. I think I was in seventh grade the last time the Nets went to the finals. That was Ooh. in 2003, right? The 2002-2003 season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against San Antonio. Yeah, Stephen Jackson hit that three pointer in the corner. I feel like I need to explain what happened. (laughs) I think I think everybody needs you to explain what happened because that was crazy. Long story short, my dad was getting me upset, telling me that Jason Kidd was going to San Antonio and he was leaving as a free agent at the end of the year. So I got mad and I just, you know, I went to go, you know, take a shower and stuff. But before I did that, I just threw the jersey because. A little bit, a little bit of that crept into my mind that maybe he was leaving the San Antonio. So I got pissed and I was 
jerseys were too too expensive for me to burn them, so I just I just threw it in the water. I wasn't physically in the in the water myself. Okay, because that all right. That was, you never got in the bathtub. He never washed yeah. you in the bathtub. No, okay. No, never. <laughs> Yeah, was, he's like, yeah, I saw him in the bathtub with the next jersey. What? So many questions. <laughs> well, we could just end it right there. That was a... <laughs> Yo, make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast.